I'm Kinsey. My name is William. I'm Hannah. And this is That's Absurd. Hello and welcome. The double murder trial of former lawyer Alex Murdoch. Uh, that one person could have handled both of those weapons. An emotional Alec Murdoch. Holy shit. <laughs> this is so bad. I did it so bad. Activity at 8.54 p.m. that night. All right, but for real. Tell Paul to call me. So it does seem that they were dead when all that phone activity did stop popping. Yeah, I'm starting from scratch, y'all. And this is That's Absurd. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to That's Absurd podcast. Yeah, we were a little late this time, but it was a holiday weekend, so we're going to blame it on that. Yeah, yeah. good thing. Come to those who wait. That's what we're going with. I don't even want to hear that anymore, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> well, today we're going to dive in to the Murdoch murders. If that's how you pronounce if it. If that's how you pronounce it. Um, really, in my head this entire time, it's been the Murdoch because there's no K. But, you know. The GH is silent. It's like lasagna. Yeah, but there's still no C. So, anyway, which yeah. is a great language. Um, <laughs> we're going to be diving into the, the, the Murdoch murders. There's There's a lot to unpack here um not just about the two main murders uh but really just a whole lot of stuff that's going around with this family uh so i really kind of felt like where are we gonna start we've, we've got to kind of go back to who is this family because without a little bit of backstory on this family all of this is really not going to make sense um, so really all of this actually starts in a small town in South Carolina, um, with this family called the Murdoch family, um, super powerful lawyers and kind of just run the show for, um, this little town in South Carolina. Um, the Murdochs really had built a huge formidable legal dynasty, um, and really all in the center of this dynasty was Alex Murdoch. Um, he was a fourth generation lawyer and most of the story is going to centralize on Alex. Um, now we're going to go through a couple of the other like key players, but Alex Murdoch is really what, um, we're going to be really discussing. So before we kind of go any further, if you've ever lived in a small town, the lawyers are the ones that run these small towns all right they've got everyone in their pocket from cops to judges that's how they make their money so when you're coming up against situations like this these lawyer families are the ones that are kind of dictating the way that things go if you've ever wondered you know how did someone get out of a dui or how did someone do this it's probably in a small town with a small town lawyer that knows the judge knows the cops and they just get things dismissed so before we even dive into the story, I wanted to kind of set that kind of legal precedent. <laughs> so realistically, when we're looking at like these small town lawyers, they've got everyone in their pockets. Um, so the way that these small towns work is, is that these small town lawyers that have been lawyers for generations, like the Murdoch family, is everyone they know um and we're going to dive into some of the legal stuff in a little bit later on why south carolina is actually important with this whole story on their legal system um but i really just want to 
dive into who this family was and why they actually played an important role like in this town so the family had a very prestigious relationship um, that really had been untouched for like a hundred years. Um, and when I say a hundred years, that's not an exaggeration, literally have been practicing law for a hundred years in this town. Um, so after like a hundred years, we come up on June of 2021. Um, this is kind of when tragedy struck. And it was on that day that Alex made this horrifying discovery and stumbled upon the lifeless bodies of his wife, Maggie Murdoch, and their youngest son, Paul Murdoch. Um, the pair had been found shot to death um, in their sprawling 1,770-acre hunting lodge located on Monsell Road in Islington, South Carolina. Well, I don't, didn't they have, you're going to cover this later, really that untouched. Exactly.
I know exactly what y'all are thinking. Like, how did this go from a father and a husband finding his wife and son dead to him standing trial that is facing a life sentence for their, you know, their murders. Um, I want to kind of return back to the actual death of Maggie and their youngest son, Paul. Um, so it did send shock rate for to like in the community and they were liked in the community, which is kind of weird when we start unpacking all of like the stuff that's going around them. But like they were considered very like high esteem people. When Alex made this 911 call on the night of June 2021, informing the authorities of this discovery that he had, there were a lot of people that came to his side. Um, a lot of people kind of came out. A lot of people were worried about, you know, what happened. And I think that, you know, a lot of the times the bad people that would do these murders are like right in front of us. Like it's never the shady person that like lives underneath a bridge, you know, or anything. It's like these murders and how and why they gain so much national attention is that they come from the people that are supposed to be helping you in justice, like the system. Like it's these powerful, influential people that are actually doing these crimes. And mm-hmm. so for a lot of people to come out, I think that that was completely normal. You know, when he made the 911 call, obviously this is a small town. If you lived in a small town, I grew up in a small town. Like once something happened, everyone knew like seemingly instantly. As the investigation unfolded, some really unsettling details really started to emerge. So the coroner determined that the murders had taken place between 9 and 9.30 p.m. Right now, the reason why that is super important is because Alex did not make the initial 911 call until after 10 o'clock. Okay, but oh, on them. I know. So, this is where it gets you know really weird. He waits 30 minutes, all right? Mm-hmm. He waits 30 minutes, makes a 911 call. You can actually hear him on the 911 call you can legitimately like look it up like you know uh alex murdoch you know 911 call and you can kind of hear mm-hmm. it i think the netflix documentary also plays like uh like a clip on that but there was about mm-hmm. anywhere between an hour and you know 30 minutes from time of death to 911 call yeah but question yeah what if he didn't walk up on them until the, the 10 o'clock call So that's why everyone thought he was innocent in the first place. So interesting enough, on the whole beginning part of like this entire investigation, he was not a person of interest, right? It wasn't until five months later that he became a suspect. And the reason why is there was this massive twist in the whole story. So in October of 2021, the spotlight turned towards Alex as he was named as a person of interest in this case. His lawyers, of course, denied any allegations insisting that Alex had no motive for any of these heinous acts. However, the investigation took a new twist when sources close to the case claimed that a cell phone video had evidence that placed Alex at the scene of the crime. So we're living in the technology age. I always talk about, you know, with Kinsey is like, I don't understand how anyone can actually get away with any kind of murders because of all of like the cameras and stuff. So that being said, 
NBC News reported that there was a Snapchat video of Alex and his son and his wife at 8.44 p.m., 15 minutes before the murder actually took place. Wow. So Snapchat is just calling everyone out. I mean, this is like, you know, back when you could see people's top friends, you know, level of shit. Um, Well, I wonder why he was taking a video. So it's interesting enough is that it was Paul, his son, that was taking a video. Now, when Alex was initially interviewed with the cops the story that he gave the cops was completely different so the reason why he was not a person of interest for the first five months is that he had an alibi supposedly Mm -hmm. so alex claimed that they were at the house the hunting lodge with his wife and son and then he decided to leave the estate around 8 30 that night So this is what he's telling the cops is that he left the estate at 8.30 that night. After leaving, Murdoch stated that he drove to visit his mother, who in the Netflix documentary dives into it a little bit more. But like there's not just a massive amount just like on the Internet, particularly about his mom. But his mom was definitely super elderly, like needed some like Mm -hmm. taking care of. So it wasn't out of the normal for him to leave and go check on his mom and then come back. Mm -hmm. Um, But he told the cops 830 that night, he drove to see his mother. He spent approximately 20 minutes before returning to their hunting lodge on Moselle Road. Right. So according to Murdoch, his wife had no plans to accompany, accompany him on his visit with his mother. And his mother actually didn't really like his wife apparently. And that's why he went just by herself. Um, and he attempted right at around nine o'clock, nine 15. So they kind of place it in between nine o'clock, nine 15. Some sources say it's a little bit closer to nine 30. Um, but he actually calls his wife and sends her text messages and he did not receive a response and so he got worried and then came back to the hunting lodge right so just kind of bear with me and we'll we'll kind of like tie this all together on like all this data so cops obviously pull like telemetry data if you don't know what telemetry data is it's basically your cell phones can be pinged off of different cell towers the cell mm-hmm. towers that are the closest to you can give authorities a general idea of where you know someone would be. Um, so this data actually does suggest that Murdoch's car did stop in his mother's driveway for about two to three minutes, and then he left. Now this was in the actual like proceedings in court was what they were trying to use say oh he couldn't have committed the murders because he was at his mother's house right um but in the end once we get a little bit deeper in this you're going to see that like what i actually think happened is that they shot them used him going to his mother's house as it's all it's so dangerous this him being a lawyer he's trying to cover all his bases he's trying to get things to corroborate his alibi 
-hmm. which like is he's sending you, messages and and just oh that's so that's so scary that he's where he was and has all the knowledge that he does because you know he knows i mean like we do we just like talked yeah. about it like the fact is is that he knew what he needed to just put enough doubt where he would not get convicted right mm -hmm. so a couple other details that i think are worth mentioning um is that after they started kind of tracking this you know telemetry data they're also pulling his gps um another kind of point of interest that was brought up in the whole case proceeding was his driving speed and his driving speed posted speed limits reaching 80 miles an hour on these rural roads yeah and and small towns i feel like they don't have very high speed that, limits they're rocking with like 40 50. Yeah. Maybe. Is that what's pulled from his phone or yeah so they pulled it from your gps stuff. um so they pulled it from his gps okay. so he's going most of these roads and when i looked up a map of kind of where they are i mean they're windy roads i mean you're talking 45 miles an hour you know kind of yeah. speed right yeah. so everything just really wasn't adding up um as murdoch stated they brought up that he was driving super fast he only spent five minutes in his mother's driveway before racing back home and murdoch simply stated that he was driving in a very normal manner oh <laughs> so you know i guess you know he's a super speeder or you know whatever but upon his return to the hunting lodge um which you know is his family house they don't live in this 24 7. i mean this was used for hunting massive like i said before 17 you know 100 plus acre they had a bunch of dog kennels they ran dogs all the kind of time um so alex said he returned to the his family house at the hunting center and he entered through the main gate and noticed that lights were on in the house however his son paul nor maggie were present in the house so he gets up to the house checks the house sees that his wife and son are not there and he decided to get back in the car and drive to the kennels um so you can go look up you know pictures of this and maybe we can actually post some pictures in the show links of kind of what we're kind of talking about here um mm -hmm. but just a few like kind of things on a dirt road they had these massive dog kennels they're kind of like horse stables really but mm -hmm. it's where they kept their hunting dogs so he gets back in the suburban drives down to the kennels where he said he was overcome with emotions and tearfully described seeing the crime scene that had been depicted in the photographs that were shown kind of to the court the scene was described as horrific with his wife and son fatally injured from rifle shots and shotgun blast and immediately he exited the car, retrieved his phone to call 911. Two sets of two types. Oh my gosh. Well, wait, okay. So, so just so I can like paint the picture of the timeline in my head. So this Snapchat video was taken, you said at about like 8.30? This time stamped at 8.44. Okay. So 8.44, they took the video and then he left at that point to go visit his mom so the interesting thing about like the telemetry data it's not super accurate on yeah. necessarily like the times of when okay. the cell phone was actually pinged when okay. he was these kind of text messages i couldn't really find like a detailed on like when these were sent the text messages and the calls and from what cell phone mm -hmm. tower 
his mother did not live too far away. So mm-hmm. this could have kind of been all around in the same time. And this is why this story is so gripping is, is that there are some unanswered things that are going around yeah. here that don't make sense, you know, mm-hmm. at all. Um, so Snapchat video, 844. Mm-hmm. Time 15 to 30 minutes later at between 9, 9, 15, 9, 30. Telemetry data says that he was at um, he was at the estate at 830. All right. Okay. Then we have the Snapchat video. He makes the 911 call at 10 o'clock. All right. A few minutes. Okay. Past. So that's kind mm-hmm. of the timeline that, you know, we're, you know, working with um, on that. So I know that you heard me say that they were found shot with rifle and shotgun. Mm-hmm. This is very interesting, y'all. All right. So when investigative police start diving into the story, it revealed that both of the two victims, so Maggie, um, Maggie and also his son, Paul, were shot with completely different weapons, which just brings a whole lot of confusion into this whole story and intensifies really the mystery that's like surrounding this case. Mm-hmm. So Maggie, his wife, was killed with an assault-styled rifle. Paul was killed with a shotgun. Maggie was shot five times. Five times. Five times. And his son was shot twice with a shotgun. All on their family's property, all on the hunting dog kennel area. They were literally shot down like, like dogs on how the crime scene is actually like reported. Ugh. So, so disgusting. Yeah, and so like oh. correct. So correct me if I'm wrong, because I did watch the documentary, but it was old. It was quite some time ago that I watched it. But I had heard something that the way in which it was laid out, or something that, um, and maybe you're gonna get into this, but Maggie started like realizing what was like happening, or something like that. And she started getting suspicious. I don't know if that plays into like why she was shot that many times or what's happening. And I'll let you get into that later. But it's definitely interested to hear like about that more. Yeah. So we're a hundred percent gonna dive into this because I've got my theories around this. And you know, um hope y'all are kind of like following along, you know, like with this. But going back to like him being a lawyer, one of the things in the questions that I had was, did Alex have help? And was there two shooters or is this a play into the whole lawyer thing of, I'm going to shoot him with two different weapons, you know, didn't have a weapon and he turned it against them. I think that realistically we'll never know, you know, Mm -hmm. why there was two weapons. Um, But to your point, yes, I think that there was a whole lot of other family drama going on. a whole lot of like other like family drama going on and we are going to get in to that. So we're going to take a pause on these two murders and we will come back to them, but we need to actually go back in time um, a little bit to 2019, specifically on February 23rd, 2019. All right. 19-year-old at this time, Paul Murdoch, took his family boat out for a night of partying with his friends on the Beaufort River. 
Who's going to the lake in February? First off, or it is South Carolina. Lake. It's got to be cold. The river. Okay. Now, this is like your typical river lake kind of scenarios. Had bars all up and down it. Kids would go out drinking, take the boat. Um, a lot of the times they take the boat so they're not on the roads. It was definitely, you know, kind of like your most places that have bars. You're going to have cops sitting on the road. So they would take their boat out, would go to these different bars, and then they would drink, get drunk, have a good time, party, all that kind of stuff, and then would take the boat back. Um, so that being said, they all went out to drink. Um, it was about five of them that decided to go out to drink. Um, but sadly that night on February 23rd ended in a disaster as there was a boat that was crashed and claimed the life of 19 year old Mallory Beach. Yeah. Exactly. So Paul takes, I mean, yeah. So Paul takes Alex's boat out. They go drinking, ended up kind of through the whole night. Girl ends up dead. So Mallory, which is the girl that passed away on this boating accident, um, had an aunt. The aunt was contacted first and Lynn, who was her aunt, received this heartbreaking news and was devastated by her loss of her niece, obviously rushed to the boat seat. Um, Paul was there and accompanied by his girlfriend, Morgan, um, Miley and her boyfriend, Connor, were also there. And then his cousin, Anthony, and his girlfriend, Mallory, who is the girl that died. So despite being underage uh, for some of the passengers, they all had fake IDs or borrowed IDs, went out, you know, kind of drinking. The evening began on Murdoch Island, which is kind of what it was, you know, called. It was the Murdoch's family-owned private residence. Um, so unlike the hunting lodge, this is their main house, right? Mm -hmm. Just like where they actually left, um, not the hunting lodge. Um, so they get in the boat and they traveled down to this oyster roast before they were going to head downtown towards Beaufort, right? So Beaufort. they, Beaufort, yeah, my bad. Um, so they traveled to this island. They were doing this big oyster roast. You know, um, it's February. You know, oysters are really great that time. They're all drinking, all this kind of stuff. And Paul and Connor briefly visited a bar while the others kind of just waited by a park. So they get done. Uh, Paul and Connor, they go into a bar, have, you know, however, you know, many drinks, you know, that they were having. The other ones were just kind of, you can actually see it in like the surveillance, you know, footage, which is what we're going to kind of get into. Um, but you can see it from the surveillance footage that they leave the bar and the footage actually captures the friends boarding the boat with Mallory and Anthony appearing super affectionate for each other um, as they walk down the dock together. And then witnesses later reported that Paul's behavior on the boat became increasingly concerning as he engaged in reckless driving, you know, of the boat around 2.20 a.m., okay? So around 2.20 a.m., tragedy strikes, and Connor, which is one of the guys on the boat, made a distress call to 911 and reported that a boat crashed on Archer's Creek and that one of their friends was missing. We find out that that is, you know, Mallory. Um, so authorities arrived at the scene where chaos just 
absolutely started, right? Mm -hmm. This is where we're going to see start kind of some of like the tie into that. So police obviously rushed to the scene of the boating crash, right? The boating crash kind of happens right where a bridge kind of goes over the river and Mm -hmm. they're all like on the side of this road where the river and the road kind of comes over. They're all on the bank. Everyone is just freaking out. There's crying, all of this kind of stuff. And a huge search effort started for for Mallory. Um, Her body was finally recovered eight days later um, when they did it. So she was missing for a full eight days. No one had any idea if she was alive, if she was dead. It goes on in the Netflix documentary to like talk about the aunt just knew, you know, Mm -hmm. on that that she would never see, you know, Mallory again. Mm-hmm. Um, Mallory's aunt, aunt later learned about the details of that night where Paul Murdoch refused to allow anyone else to drive the boat despite pleas from the terrified passengers, right? So mm-hmm. typical kind of thing that happens here. They're all out drinking. All of his friends know that Paul is kind of a loose cannon, right? So it talks about in the Netflix documentary and a bunch of source material that Paul was kind of known as a huge partier, right? I mean, he would get belligerently drunk. Um, One of his friends, I think it was Connor, that said that, I mean, he's either sober or plastered. There wasn't an in-between. He was Mm -hmm. always on the belligerent scale of that. So when they leave this bar, all of his friends are like, Paul, please don't drive you're not in, you know, any position, you know, to be able to operate this boat. And Paul actually gets really, really aggressive saying that no one's driving this boat from me. Um, And uh, Connor actually makes the comment that he was drunk off his ass. And if you watch the documentary, you'll see that no one wanted him to drive. And y'all, this is kind of like where it gets weird. Okay as if the story can get any more confusing and chaotic. Following the boat crash, Alex Murdoch, Paul's father, Mm -hmm. exhibited really weird behavior at the hospital, all right? Mm -hmm. So most of them were really injured. Actually, one of the friends has a permanent scar on his face. Everyone is rushed to the hospital. Who is the first person to greet all these people in the hospital? You Mm -hmm. guessed it, Alex Murdoch. So he kept trying to get into the hospital rooms to speak with his son's injured friends. Uh Uh-huh. Damn, dude. I remember also hearing something about they were trying to coerce uh, Connor, I believe it was, into making him think that it was his fault. Absolutely. So that was one of the reasons I was there. Yeah. And I also... um, I'm sure you remember this because, like I said, I haven't seen the documentary in quite some time. So this, a lot of this is all new to me. But one thing I do remember from the documentary is when they were talking about how Paul was always either sober or belligerent, like you were saying, that when he starts drinking, it's like he gets, like, taken over. And you see a picture of him and how dark his eyes look. And he looks like he's just a completely different person. And it was, like, terrifying seeing it. So it, like, stuck with me, obviously. Yeah. Which is, which is crazy. And so like exactly kind of what you said. So Alex, right, gets into this hospital and honestly, it just starts creating a whole lot of confusion. 
Like, I think that that's his whole plan is just to create confusion and make everyone's stories not completely lined up, right? Mm -hmm. And exactly what you said is that the story started to get planted that Connor was driving the boat, right? Connor obviously is like, no, absolutely not. I was not driving the boat. Paul was driving the boat. He refused to let anyone drive, even though we all know, you know, that we shouldn't have. Um, There's actually an interview um, that Connor does where he is literally crying and is like, if I would have just made Paul not drive, my girlfriend Mallory would probably still be here, you know, but I didn't. And so as Alex is in the hospital, he actually tells the cops that were there, back off, let me talk to these people, and the cops let him. Oh my God. Yeah. Got him all in his pocket. So he wanted also one to either shift the blame to Connor or tell the other kids, do not mention who was driving the boat. Cause he knew that his son was driving the boat. You know I mean? This was a, this was a thing. Paul always drove. He never let anyone else drive. And so he was literally trying to tell the witnesses Hey, what y'all thought happened is actually not what happened. And y'all need to keep my son, Paul's name, basically out of your mouth. I Uh will take care of him. Uh It's basically what he just kept saying. So Paul, his blood alcohol level was actually measured at three times the legal limit. (gasps) And that's when he got to the hospital, which was hours. This was 5 a.m., after after all that traumatic stuff happened that would normally sober a person yeah so it's like (laughs) holy shit he must have been off his nut yeah too so this is where though people in the community started to at least kind of like put an asterisk by their name Right. And so why is this whole story important for the death of Paul and Alex's wife? Anyway, so Paul Murdoch's blood alcohol level was measured at three times, y'all, the legal limit for this. So, I mean, just he's obliterated, you know, at this point. I mean, no one should have let, you know, him drive this boat. So two months after the crash, he actually was charged with multiple felony accounts, including boating under the influence, causing Mallory's death. Um, however, however, right? Why is there always a however? Before, yeah. facing, before facing trial, Paul, along with his mother, Maggie, was killed tragically on June 7th, 2021. That was before the trial? No, that was before his trial. Before his trial. When was this? Two months after he was killed. Wow. So trying to keep the family name like. Exactly. So now we have motive here, right? Uh And so the reason why all of this kind of comes into play is now all of a sudden, 
we have Alex, who is a guy with a hundred year reputation for being the kings of this town, right? They are the rainmakers. They are, you know, they are the shit in this town. And his drunk son is going to completely kill that reputation. Maybe this is why he shot them to cover up the boating accident. And Hannah, you might can talk about a little bit this more, but if someone dies before trial, the case just kind of goes away. Well, yeah, who are they supposed to try? So there is no conviction. There is no justice mm-hmm. for there is no justice for Mallory. And mm-hmm. Paul's just dead two months after. Now, why? Why is this so significant is I think that Paul having all of these police and judges like in his pocket, there was just no way for them to cover this up, you know? Yeah. Well, it was also the, um, I would imagine that there would be like tons of community outlash because of like who he is thinking they're going to take it like easy on him and all of this crap, I would imagine with their name, you know what I mean? So weirdly enough, no. So after this boating crash, you know, and after like this whole kind of, you know, death and even in these proceedings, um, Mallory's aunt, although was obviously super sad, you know, for, you know, her niece, never actually harbored any ill will towards Paul Murdoch, expressing that she just desired for Paul to take responsibility apologize and that they would, you know, kind of move on, you know, from this. I mean, again, this was not something, it wasn't happening to Alex, particularly. This was the son. This was, this was Paul, but Mm -hmm. you know, Alex was so consumed, you know, for, you know, from all of this kind of stuff. So we go back, Paul and his mother, are shot two months before Paul's trial, right? Where he would probably be convicted of a felony, would spend a whole lot of time in prison. So that's motive mm-hmm. for Paul. That's motive for Paul. So sources close to the family said, though, is that Paul, in the in the months leading up, I mean, Alex, leading up to Paul's trial, was just erratic. He mm-hmm. didn't know what to do. He was worried about this reputation. Alex was drinking a little bit more, and people were starting to describe him as a little bit of unhinged. So we have this whole kind of weird thing. Paul is going, I mean, Alex is going off the rails, right? He's mm-hmm. getting super worried about this trial. There's a bunch of stress, you know, with him. Cases start falling kind of through. And I think that I think that Alex is just, he's losing it. I think that he thinks that he's going to be the one that brings down this 100-year-old dynasty. And mm-hmm. I think that he killed Paul. And this is what was talked about in court, is that he killed Paul. And then his wife saw it happening. She said that she was going to go to the police. And so he shot his wife too, and then started covering up the tracks, you know, <laughs> for the whole kind of thing. But yeah. y'all, that's not even, that's not even it. Cause there's more mysterious deaths around this family. And I'm going to kind of fly through some of these other ones, you know, but this is not the first time we're even going to go back even farther to February 2nd of 2018 
Gloria, which was their like cleaning lady maid. They did a bunch of stuff. She was like the housekeeper, had been a long standing housekeeper for the Murdoch family, was found dead on the steps of, you guessed it, Alex Murdoch's family house. What the fuck? All right. So another person, all right, Gloria, found dead. This is a long-standing housekeeper for the Murdoch family. She was even described by a lot of Paul's, you know, friends, especially his ex-girlfriend Morgan, as a second mother to Paul. I mean, you know, she was, especially in these kind of old Southern families, like a lot of the times, like, you know, the housekeeper maid and all those people, you know, I mean, she was his babysitter, you know, she changed his diapers. I mean, this was a, this was a, yeah, I mean, this person has been with them forever and played a significant role of their lives. So on February 2nd, while working at the Murdoch house, Gloria suffered an injury that required medical attention. According to Maggie Murdoch, so that is Alex's wife. Um, Gloria had a fall while climbing the steps to the Murdoch residence. Um, And the Netflix documentary revealed that Gloria's family was informed that she tripped over the family dog, fell backwards, and suffered a severe head injury that eventually led to her death on February 26th of 2018. So, 24 days later. Yes. Wow. Can you imagine what they're feeling in those 24 days they were probably yeah. like oh my god she lives yeah she knew too much so they had to get rid of her that's they just had to get rid of her but the question begs why the hell kill her yeah. like what is that well there actually is a reason believe it or not so gloria's siblings scott and eric and ginger shared their experiences and in interviews for the series revealing that gloria was unresponsive during her entire time in the hospital all right, so from the time she hit her head to the time she passed away, Gloria, we get nothing from her, right? Morgan recounted a story in which Gloria allegedly discovered drugs taped underneath Alex's bed and confided in Paul because she feared approaching Maggie about it. Okay. So she went to the sun? She went instead of- to the sun. So, you know, why does she go to the sign? You know, what actually kind of starts to take place is that her and Maggie, so Gloria and Maggie did not have a great relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she was really good, you know, to caretaker for Paul. Alex really liked her, but she didn't want, because she was afraid of what her siblings say, what Maggie would do if she was the one that found these drugs. Now, this incident occurred before Gloria's uh, fatal fall. And interesting enough is that Morgan's parents, Bill and Diane Dorothy, believed that Gloria knew Dottie, my bad, um, believed that Gloria just knew too much and that this knowledge played a role in her death. Mm -hmm. Speculation. Did they have uh, a follow up on that with like who they thought did it? Are you going to answer that right? Absolutely. So speculations were definitely discussed in the docuseries, including rumors of Maggie and Paul pushing Gloria down the stairs. Anthony Cook, Paul's friends and Mallory Beach's boyfriend, who was involved in the fatal boating accident, inserted that Paul would never harm Gloria. But it is talked about that 
Um, it is talked about how Maggie would have been the one that would push her down, um, you know, the stairs. Mm -hmm. So we actually fast forward a little bit in June of 2022, the WJCL reported that Gloria's body was scheduled for, um, to be exhumed due to the lack of anyone reporting her death and the coroner's absence of an autopsy filed at the time. However, there has been no updates since the process. What? There was no autopsy, y'all. And who do you think was able to tell them? Alex Murdoch. Um, So the docuseries also explored kind of like Alex Murdoch's attempt to file a wrongful death lawsuit against himself claiming that the family's dog caused Gloria's fall while she was working on their property. All right. So let me just what pause here. All right. In order to keep right her entire death, you know, kind of a secret and one a big spectacle, Alex told her family, told Gloria's family, look, I'm going to basically sue myself and I'm going to give y'all the wrongful death money that he would collect from the insurance, right? According to Netflix Life, approximately one month before Gloria's death to the uh, on the on Murdoch's you know property, Alex obtained a commercial insurance license and reported and received over four point three million dollars for insurance claim related to her demise. He took out an insurance policy literally one month before she was found dead. How can he do that? Because he took a he took out an insurance property, an insurance basically policy that covered his property if something were to happen on his property that would result in a wrongful death. That's so wow. So do you think that she confided in Paul about this because of the relationship they had? And then in the heat of like something, he brought it up as a way to like jab at his dad or his so, mom. Conspiracy then, actually would say you're on, you're on the right train of thought. Conspiracies actually say is that Paul was going to be willing to throw his dad underneath the bus by saying that they had Gloria killed and use it to get a lesser sentence, which is just oh, another interesting. interesting. Oh my God. Right. Which is just another reason, another reason for Paul to be need to be gone and yeah. to be killed. So, <laughs> Um, Michael DeWitt, who was a journalist that was featured in the series, revealed that Gloria's sons were unaware of the existence of a death settlement until it was published in the newspaper and they never received a dime from the insurance policy. Oh, my God. Wait, okay, so he he told her siblings that he was going to file the suit and told them that they get the money? Yeah. And then the sons never got a penny. Never got the four point three. But Alex did get the four point three million dollars. That when his arrest is still unaccounted for, they don't know where the money is. Where do you put that? 
offshore accounts, I guess. I, you know, I, I don't really know. Um, don't, you know, not a very big money launderer um, <laughs> guy other than what I know from Ozarks. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> um, yeah, they never saw it. But y'all, this family, I'm not even done. There's another weird death surrounding this family. Another weird death. And we're going to have to go back even further to July 8, 2015, where a 19-year-old individual was discovered in the early hours of the morning. So there was this secluded road in Hampton County, right, which is South Carolina. So all of this is happening in Hampton County, right? And I, I kind of want to back up before we dive into this um, to the other, like, mysterious um, death here like on doing it is that the firm's entire success so the whole Murdoch's firm's success was built upon their expertise in personal injury cases and exploiting a South Carolina law that allowed lawsuits to be filed in any county in South Carolina, regardless of where the incident occurred. Hmm. Okay. They this you said they founded it. So like where, where this firm and why the Murdochs were so successful is that uh -huh. every single, every single case they tried, they got it moved to Hampton County. That's insane. What the fuck? This oh literally God. often, this often led to, um, this often led to special treatment that resulted in Hampton County being labeled judicial hellhole in 2004. Nevertheless, this really kind of positioned Murdoch's as the go-to lawyers of the county because they would just move. No matter where you are in the entire state of South Carolina, you hire the Murdoch's, they get the case moved to Hampton County, right? They get the case moved to Hampton County and then boom, they've, they've, won, they've won the case, right? So that being said, 19-year-old individual discovered during the early hours of July 18th, 2015, and was in Hampton County, South Carolina. According to an autopsy, the 19-year-old individual that was discovered during the early hours of July 18th, 2015, was a boy called Stephen Smith. Stephen Smith's uh, vehicle had run out of gas and was involved with a hit-and-run accident where his body was found actually two to three miles away from his car. Um, this was suggesting that he probably ran out of gas and then started walking home where, you know, he was actually pretty close to, like, where he lived. Pathologists from the University of South Carolina concluded that Smith had actually suffered several fatal head injuries caused by being struck by a vehicle as indicated in the autopsy report. All right. So how does this tie into the Murdoch's about to kind of like, you know, go into that. Um, so, however, a report issued by the Highway Patrol's um, investigation team raised doubt about this explanation. Noted in the absence of vehicle debris, skid marks, or injuries consistent with a vehicle collision, furthermore, Smith's shoes were still on his feet and his shoelaces were loosely tied, which seemed inconsistent with a hit-and-run accident. So, why does it get weird? Why all of a sudden was this kid's death 
initially labeled as a hit and run accident. And then, which this is all brought up because of this whole Murdoch case, right, with it, reports that were previously buried by the Highway Patrol said that this was not a hit and run. This was a, this was a murder. Like his shoes mm -hmm. were still on his feet. If he was hit by a car, more than likely since his shoes were tied loosely, they would be on. There was no vehicle debris. There was no skid marks. There was no injuries actually consistent with a vehicle collision other than blunt force trauma to the head. Mm -hmm. Investigators also reported and mentioned that there was no evidence of projectiles or bullet fragments in Smith's body, effectively ruling out the possibility of gun wounds. So, um, Stephen Smith's mother, obviously, from the very get-go, had a whole lot of skeptic like skepticism um, like about this whole hit-and-run narrative. She actually did an interview on the Today Show where she expressed a belief that her son was beaten based on the condition where his body was discovered on the road. She quotes, as a mother, I have questions that need answers. She stated, deep down in my heart, I do not believe this is a hit and run. I believe my son was murdered and I'm determined to find the evidence that supports that belief. The South Carolina uh, Law Enforcement Division announced in June 2021 that it would reopen Smith's case after the murders of Maggie and Paul based on information, and I quote, based on information gathered during the course of the double murder investigation of Paul and Maggie Murdoch. To this day, we don't have like any information on why they're reopening this case because of the double murder investigation. Um, but there are theories that this was also covered up by Alex mm -hmm. and that either it was Paul or either it was him that did not like this kid. No, I thought it was Buster Murdoch. Buster, that's it. So Buster, which is another one of their sons, had an altercation with um, with Smith, and that's oh kind of what they all got opening on that. So it's just the whole family. Like I swear to God, at this point, every single one of them has somehow killed somebody. Yeah, I mean it's just wild. Everywhere <laughs> that you look, it's just it's just a lot. Um, so, you know, that's a lot to take in. So to tie everything back to the original case that we started in the very beginning of this, the murder of Paul and Maggie. What case right? is that? No, it's such a convoluted case that like, it just stems everywhere. It feels like. Yeah, a lot. So it's crazy, but to bring it back to the actual like case that started the whole Murdoch stuff. On July 14th, 2022, a grand jury did indict Alex Murdoch in the connection with the murders of his wife and son. Uh, he faces charges of two counts of murder, two counts of possession of a weapon during the commission of a violent crime. Throughout the whole ordeal, Alex's legal team has maintained his innocence and is prepared, is prepared to fight vigorously on his behalf. Um, as the trial approached, uh, the legacy of the Murdoch family hung in the balance and the once unquestioned honor of their names was martyred by the shadow of tragedy and suspicion. Um, and the courtroom that once adorned with a portrait of Alex's revered grandfather stood a haunting reminder of the family's reputation. And within those hallowed halls, the fate of a man, a dynasty and a community 
would be decided. What a closing line. What a crazy, crazy case. Literally, though, I do remember one point from the documentary at the very end, which I thought was wild. Oh, yeah. He was on the phone in the, the, wherever he's at. I don't know if you found out where he was, but, well, yeah, but I'm sure he's in DOC. Like, he's in a, a correctional institution or something like prison. Um, but he was like on the phone with Buster and they got a recording of that call and on the phone, Alex goes, Hey, uh, by the way, did Netflix release a documentary about all this stuff? Yep. Yeah. Doing us favors left and right. So that is, that is the twisted story of, you know, the, the Murdoch murders and and honestly y'all i mean like i try to condense this down into much spot there is so much other you know weird okay. things and like getting into like the oh i actually do want to back it up i know we just kind of ended but i do want to kind of back it up for our listeners all you know millions of y'all that tune into this podcast uh-huh. <laughs> um can we just pause for a second that snapchat is what undid him well yeah that is too yeah well at work, they have every search warrant that comes in there has to do with some kind of social media. It's either Instagram or it's Snapchat every single time. Yeah. Well, that's how you find out shit. Like you, people pull stuff off, like pull subpoena, subpoena people's phones to pull evidence off of like their social medias, their text messages, their calls, their videos, their photos. Like mm-hmm. everything is stamped. Nothing ever gets deleted. Like, mm-hmm. there's no no way around it, really. Like, so it's crazy. But Ugh. thanks, thanks for tuning in to another week of That's yeah. Absurd. Next week, we're going to have the no. lovely... Two weeks. Or two weeks. Or the next episode yeah. will be the lovely Kinsey um, diving Thank into you. some great stories. Um, just, just one. Okay. Stories within the story. If this one was any foreshadowing, we had like five yeah. stories in this one story. My story guess. is equally as crazy, not equally as convoluted. There's not so many stories within mine. I'll be doing a one-hit wonder. Um, John Bonet Ramsey. Is it a one-hit wonder? Is it an archive? Oh, it might be an archive. It might be Maybe. an archive. Well, what am I one of those. <laughs> I'll be doing an archive, John Monet Ramsey. Yeah. So thank you for bitch to edit. Yeah, I'm. I'm just like thinking. You can leave this edit. part in yeah. of me saying that. <laughs> um. Well, anyways, thank you all for tuning in to That's Absurd, and we will see you next yeah. time. Bye. Bye. See ya.